For a number of months, there was a word that kept coming back to me. And that word was this. Number your days and live wisely. Ever since the pandemic started, we hear of the word death. Granted, we don't think of death often, much less talk about it. In fact, it is a taboo in our culture to talk about death. But today, the word is all around us and we hear it every day. It is no longer a number anymore. It is a name. It is a person. It is someone you and I know. I felt very moved as I pondered over this whole issue of death. And I want to bring a word to all of us this morning. And the word is this. Let us count our days. And this comes out of Psalm 90 verses 1 to 17. You know, in this Psalm, it is Moses who is praying. And in short, he says, life is brief. We are here today, tomorrow we are gone. Moses having known the brevity of life and that God holds life in his hands, he exhorts us to live our days in wisdom. You know, as we look at Psalm 90, especially in verse 12, he says, teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. We have to count our days because we don't usually think how short life is. And it goes on to say, but more than that, we are to make our days count. Count for whom? Count for God. That is wisdom. The Bible tells us that God has made Christ wisdom for us. As we look at Psalm 90, I want to speak on three issues. The first one is life, your life, my life, life in general. Number two, wisdom. How does wisdom look like? And number three, Christ. Let us read Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with the moon. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Then verse 12, and this is the anchor verse of the entire psalm and the message that I want to bring. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning 
with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, and as we look at the world around us, where the word death seems to be heard practically every day, every hour, we draw close to you and we draw close to your word, and particularly this psalm, that you speak into our hearts, that in the light of all that is happening around us, that you would give us life, health, and hope. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So verses 1 to 11 speaks about the realization that our days are numbered. Why is this important? Because we normally don't think about how long we will live unless when our life is threatened. So verses 1 to 11 speaks about the realization that our days are numbered. Number 2, verses 12 to 17 speak about the intercession that our days would count. Now here is Moses. Here he almost reviews because the situation he was in, the people, the Israelites were falling uh, dead in the wilderness and because of their sins or because of the judgment of God, they were, they were dying. They were dying all around him. And so he was looking at death. He was looking at the brevity of life. He was looking at the frailty of human life. He was talking about, he was looking at the certainty of death. And what does he do? He begins to pray the intercession that now goes up before God. And that's a good thing to do. When we do not know what to, what, is, what to do, when we see all these things are collapsing, when things are all falling apart around us, I think the first thing to do is to look to God and begin to pray and cry out to Him. So Psalm 90 can be divided into two parts. The first part of it, until verses 1, verses 1 to 11, uh, is the realization that our days are numbered. And verse 12 onwards to 17, the intercession that our days would count. Yes, our days would be numbered, our days would be as brief, our days would be uh, short, but may they count for you, Lord. That is a cry in Moses' heart and ought to be a cry in our hearts as well. You know, when you look at life, there is a time perspective here. In verses 1 and 2, you see the eternity of God. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. There is this perspective of time in terms of God. It is eternity. And then he goes on to say that God is our dwelling place. And we'll see uh, the dilemma that we'll be in uh, when God is our dwelling place. Because we are sinful creatures before a holy God. And how is it that God could be our dwelling place? Now, measured against eternity, we see the frailty of human life. In verses 3 and 4, we read, you turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You know, the psalmist says in uh, Psalm 89, verse 48, Who can live and not see death? 
And who can escape the power of the grave, the frailty of human life, the strong, the clever, the educated, the powerful. We all have that common point. Death. And we are frail human beings. Frail human beings. And, and what this verse teaches us is that we are not to be looking at our lives in terms of years, but in terms of days. <laughs> in fact, less than a day, really. In verses 5 and 6, Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. It looks like our life is cramped into just a few hours of the day, morning to evening. So if the time perspective of God is eternity, and we look at life and, it, it, and see the frailty of the human life, we see here the brevity of life. The psalmist in Psalm 39 verse 4 says, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. How fleeting my life is. Now, if you take our life and look in terms of years, it doesn't look like fleeting. But in the, through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, through the eyes of the Word of God, He says, hey, it's just a few hours from morning to evening. How fleeting our life is. And then in verse 10, Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet, the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass away and we fly away. Now, early on we read that there is the anger of the Lord due to our sins. Remember, we are sinful creatures before a holy God. So we actually live under the wrath of God. In fact, sin is the one that has actually limited the life of man on earth. We read that in Genesis. And so we have the certainty of the fact of death. And so what do we have? We have this time perspective of God, the eternity of God. And then we have against, measured against the eternity of God, the frailty of human life the brevity of life itself and the certainty of the fact of death. And so begins a prayer and intercession. It starts in verse 12. Moses begins to pray, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, last year, my sister-in-law was diagnosed to have a pancreatic cancer. And she just had passed away some two months ago. And I remember when I first heard that news and this word came, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, the whole of 2020 and going into 2021, if you watch the news and, and uh, look at uh, the social media, we, we hear news of the number of people dying of COVID. And on top of it, people dying of cancer, people dying of stroke, people dying of heart attack added to it. And so death seems to be all around us. And in the midst of it all, the word for us, and I, I pray you catch this, my friends, that teaches to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, it's very interesting that it is not just number our days. And some of us who have lived almost 30, 40, 50 years, 60 years, I'm 68 now. I don't think I have to think in terms of days. I have to think of moments. It could be any moment. You know, teach us to number my moments that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Such is the urgency. And so we realize that life is short, very, very short for us, very, very brief. 
And so, what do we say? Let me not just count the days, but let my days count for eternity. But it can only be done through you, God. That is his cry. That is what wisdom is all about. For me, I would say, let me not just count the moments, but let my moments count. Count for what? For eternity. Count for whom? For God. And that can only be achieved in and through God. And let us look how this prayer goes. So in verse 12, he says, uh, teach us wisdom. Teach us wisdom. In verse 13, in verse 13, he speaks about help us, Lord, or rather come back to us, Lord, or return to us, Lord. How long, Lord? Come back to us, return to us. And then in verse 13 also he says, have compassion on us. And in verse 14 he says, satisfy us with your unfailing love. This is his intercession. Do not be far from us. And then he goes on to say, make us glad in the morning. Cause us to praise you. Show us your work. And show us your glory. And then he says, have favor on us. Establish our work. The work that you do through us. Establish our work through the generations. Intercession. Now, when we look at wisdom, what is wisdom? When you look at the definition of wisdom, wisdom is the mastery of the art of living in accordance with God's will. Now, this is very important. This is the biblical understanding of wisdom. Wisdom is the mastery of the art of living in accordance with God's will, with God's word, with God's expectations, according to God's plan. It goes on to say, the man or woman fearing God lives in accordance with what God expects of him and what is expected of him through the word of God. He is, he is wise in that manner of his life because you see the love of God upon his life and the blessing of God resting upon him. Wisdom is the mastery of the art of living in accordance with God's will, which is revealed through the word of God. You know, how does God answer this prayer? We are sinful creatures. You read that in verses 7, 8, 9, 10. We are sinful creatures. Our sins and iniquities are laid before our holy God. How could we possibly live according to God's will in the first place? And then the, the question that I had raised earlier, how can God be our eternal dwelling place? You know, we used to ask this question uh, in our sharing of the gospel. Do you know for sure that you will be with God in heaven when you die? Sin has already separated us from God. And so when, when Moses begins to pray that prayer, how does God answer this prayer? Well, God answered through the person of Jesus Christ. You know, he says here, God has brought you into union with Christ Jesus and God has made Christ to be our wisdom. By him we are put right with God. We become God's holy people and are set free. And so the answer to that question, do you know for sure that you'll be with God in heaven when you die? The answer is this. Yes, because I believe and trust in Jesus Christ alone for my eternal life. Huh. 
God has made Christ to be our wisdom. So God who says live in wisdom also shows the way to live in wisdom through the person of Jesus Christ. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Oh, that is the answer. I don't know whether Moses saw that at that time. But that is the answer to that question. And then we read in John 3 verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. You know there are two classes of people. Where God's wrath is upon the people. Because they have not put their trust in Jesus Christ. But those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ. That wrath has been removed. And the mercy of God now rests upon them. I hope you are getting this. Christ has become wisdom for us. So to live in wisdom is to live in Christ. My friend, this is the time to live in Christ. This is the time to live in the power of Christ. This is the, life, this is the time to live in the purpose of Christ. This is the time to live in the plan of Christ. This is the time to live in the word of Christ. Christ has become wisdom for us. Now, when we look at the intercession and Christ being the answer to that intercession, we see a few things. Number one, wrath gives way to mercy. You know, we read in Psalm 90 uh, verse 13, uh, Return, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on yourself. I just want to say, return, O Lord. You know, when Christ was born, you know, what was it said? His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Sin has separated us from God. But Christ came so that in Him, God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Only in Christ. And then we read in verse 7, we are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. And then in verse 9, we read, all our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a mourn. And verse 11, if only we knew the power of your anger. You know, but when Christ died and when we trusted uh, in him that he died for our sins and he rose again from the dead, you know, and when we trusted him as our Lord and Savior, God removed the wrath, the wrath that was upon us had been removed. And instead, we come under his mercy. You know, actually, that's what the Bible says. In Acts 13, verse 39, it says, everyone who believes in him, meaning Jesus Christ, is declared right with God. Now you begin to see the answer. Right with God. Something the law of Moses could never do. And then, you know, it says in verse 38 of Acts 13. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Yes, the wrath of God is because of, this, of our sins. But through Jesus, the, the, the sins are forgiven. The sins are washed away. The sins are removed. And instead... He who has become, uh, who, who is sinless, became sin on our behalf so that we could become righteousness before God. You know, Peter writing to the suffering Christians, he said, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. So, how does God answer that prayer? It is through Christ. Through Christ, wrath gives way to mercy. Through Christ, sins are forgiven. <laughs> sins are forgiven. Through Christ, die, we die to sins. Through Christ, we die to sins and live for righteousness. 
Then we go on. In verse 14, the psalmist says, Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Only in Christ we are satisfied with the love of God. You know, Paul writing to the Romans, he says that the love of God is shed upon our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And he gives us uh, the joy of salvation. It's only in Christ we can have this gladness. It's only in Christ we can have the love of God. Only in Christ we can experience the joy of salvation. Verse 15 says, Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as you have seen trouble. And then may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. There are a few things. Number one, he says, make us glad. Only in Christ we can rejoice. Only in Christ we can rejoice. And then he said, become his servants. Now this is very important. That only in Christ we can find meaning and purpose. And therefore we become his servants. Uh -huh. So not only we find salvation, we find service. And we become his servants. Fulfilling his purpose. Fulfilling his plan for us. How so? Because the work that he does, he works in and through us. And what we do for God lasts. What we do for God lasts. And so in verse 17, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You know, we do our work and death comes. What will happen to our work? But what the word of God says is this. While this is an intercession form by Moses, establish the work of our hands even through our generations. But what we do for God will last. In 1 Corinthians 15 verses, verse 58, Paul writes, Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So in, in Christ, our work is never in vain. And so when we see this, we see that the human frailty that we talked about in the earlier portion of Psalm 90 is supplanted with meaning and purpose in Christ. In Christ, brevity is supplanted with consecration set apart for God, set apart for God's purpose. And in Christ, death is conquered with eternity. Jesus said in John chapter 11 verse 25, I am the resurrection and I am the life and he who believes in me will never die even though he dies. <laughs> and so what can we say? In Christ, God becomes our eternal home. Paul writing to the Corinthians says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. In Christ, God becomes our dwelling place. Verse 1 becomes alive. Hallelujah. Death is not the end. God becomes our eternal home. Amen. And number two, God becomes our ever-present help. You know, God is our helper and comforter. That is why we see in verses 13 and 16, come and satisfy us. Come and help us. Fill us with your compassion. Grant us joy. And verse 17, sustain us. Sustain our work. God is our helper. God is our comforter. God is our sustainer. In Christ, God becomes our ever-present help. You know, God does not stop troubles coming our way 
but he understands us, hears our cries for help, and shelters us in his loving arms. And thirdly, God becomes our everlasting hope. Why do I say that? You know, in 1 Peter 1, verse 3, he says, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What is that living hope? It is this. We come into an inheritance, verse 4. We come into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You and I have this everlasting hope of coming into this heavenly inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Hallelujah. Let me bring this to a close. As we look at Psalm 90, the first part speaks about our realization that our days are numbered. And that's what we said. Let us count our days because they are, our life is frail, our life is brief, and death is certain. But then the intercession is, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And that wisdom comes through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And the conclusion of it is this, that let our days count, count for Christ. So what must we do? Let me suggest a few ways. Number one, let us stop sinning and let us start living for God. Start living for Jesus Christ. Number two, let us repent of our sins. Let us come to Jesus Christ and confess our sins. He has promised us. That when we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us and cleanse us of every unrighteousness. Let us repent of our sins. And number three, let us return to God. Let us return to Jesus Christ. Let us rededicate our lives to Christ Jesus. And number four, we need to know God's will. Let us read the Word of God every day, systematically not sporadically here and there. Let us read the word every day systematically. And number five, let us pray the word that we are reading. You know, people find it difficult to pray, but I found that the word that we are reading, we can turn it into prayer. Not only we pray the word, we obey the word. Let us live for Christ through obeying his word. And number six, let us serve him. And let him, let, let us be his servants, serve his cause. Let us share the gospel. Let us make disciples. Let us multiply disciples. Let us help one another. Let us do good works. Let us share the good news. And finally, number seven, run the race, keep the faith, sprint to the finishing line into the arms of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Be thou our guide while troubles last. Be thou our wisdom in days to come. Thou art our everlasting comfort and eternal hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, an inheritance is something in which we receive for free. And just as Elder Dorai have shared just now, that you and I have an inheritance of eternal life in Christ Jesus. An inheritance that doesn't spoil, that doesn't, um, that doesn't fade away, 
nor does it perish from us. Today, just as Jesus has told the, the, the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10 verse 17, that the only way that we can inherit this gift of eternal life, inherit eternal life, is by following Jesus. It is only when we put our lives in His hands, it's only when we follow Him, only then are we able to receive this inheritance of eternal life. And this morning, I would like to extend that invitation to all of us. If you would like to receive this inheritance of eternal life, this gift of eternal life, or if you have said this before, you have received this before, but currently right now, with everything that's going on in your life, you're not sure of it, and you need assurance. You need assurance of your salvation. Or maybe perhaps you have been far away from Him, and today you would like to get it right with Him. You would like to come back to His Father's arms. You come back to His presence. Today is your day. You see, eternal life is a free gift. We don't deserve it, nor do we can we do anything to earn it. But you and I, we have sinned. And sin stops us from receiving this gift of eternal life. But God loves us so much. God wants to be with us so much. But at the same time, He cannot stand our sin. He hates our sin. And the cost and the price of sin is death. So there must be a way for it. There must be a solution for it. And the solution is sacrifice. You see, God loves us so much that He sent His one and only Son to come to this earth, to take the form of man in Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to pay the penalty of, of, of sin, which is death, to die on that cross. And on the third day, God raised Him up. And now He is seated in the right hand of the throne of God, extending the invitation to us, extending this inheritance to us today. And we can only receive it by putting our faith in Him. For we are all, we can only be saved by grace through faith. Today, if that is you and you would like to receive this inheritance, this gift of eternal life, can I invite you, can I encourage you to repeat this prayer and let's pray this together. Jesus, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came down to this earth to die on the cross for my sins. Today, I choose to confess my sins. I choose to repent of my old ways and I dedicate my life to you. Be the master of my life now and forever. This is my new beginning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, when the Bible says when one Men, when one person repents and confesses and gives his life back to Jesus, gives his life back to God, the whole entire heaven rejoices together with him. And we at YM today, we want to rejoice. We want to celebrate your salvation. We want to celebrate your, your decision today. And so if you have made that decision, if that is the first time that you have prayed, the second time or even the third time, can I encourage you to let us know. You can put in the chat or you can just drop us a, a message. Let us know. We want to celebrate with you. We want to, 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 to celebrate your decision today. And more than that, we want to journey with you. We want to walk with you. We want to, to come around you and to, to do life together with you.